Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I'm sitting down with Caffeine, who's a Melbourne-based artist. How you going? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me here. That's all right. It's uh, We're both up in Benalla at the moment for the Wall to Wall Festival. How sweet it is. It sure is. We've got beautiful weather. Yeah. Um, beers are tasting good. Yeah. <laughs> Sun's shining. And uh, yeah, like I was, um, luckily for you, you've been here a few times and you're quite familiar with the area. Yes. And uh, you've been showing me around, which has been pretty good. Yeah, you're pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so how, like, how many times have you been up here for the festival? For the festival, I think this is my third festival. If it's been running four years, this is my third. So I wasn't in the country for the first one, unfortunately. Um, but ever since then, I try and be here this time of year because it's just, it's fun. Yeah. You know, it's such a beautiful community atmosphere. Like Benel is gorgeous mm. and the weather's normally really nice and warm, but you know, there's just a really nice vibe. It's a really chilled festival. It um, sure is. Yeah. Yeah. You liking it so far? Yeah. Well, I've been, a bit, <laughs> I've been, uh, in a gallery the whole time setting up for an exhibition. But, Wrong time um, to ask you really, isn't it? I've had, I've had good time in the evenings, like when I knock off, you know, we went for a good drive in the countryside yesterday and yeah. went and saw DB8 painting his uh, silo and yep. and I've checked out some of the uh, the country pubs around. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the reasons I wanted to sit down and chat to you is because, you know, A, I really love your, your painting and, oh, um, you. you know, we met doing the, doing the intermission project and... Um, yeah, it was, I don't know, we got talking and got along really well. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it'd be great to chat to you and find out more about you because it's uh, in social situations, you, I don't know, you never really get to find out about someone. You don't sit down, like, you know, probe them for information about their life. 20 questions. E- starts exactly. now. This yeah. is good because I get to find out a bit about you as well. Yeah, but yeah. it's your interview though. Yeah, yeah. you watch. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I've heard that you've got a uh, an interesting background in your work life like before you were a full-time artist yeah I've been you know like we were saying I think I'm just older than lots of other people because I reckon everyone's got an interesting story right everybody has interesting things about them I think mine's probably just the story of someone who there are so many things I want to do and I can't decide on one of them I think I have now like for the past five years this seems like it's the obvious thing for me to do it does it feels like it's just like 100% me um, but I guess before that, so I've come to where I am now from like a background of everything from, you know, being a horse riding instructor um, to being a tree lopper, um, you know, when I was really young doing hospitality and stuff. And I guess more recently office jobs, you know, I, I went and got a law degree and ended up, you know, practicing law for a ridiculously short amount of time. Um, and then I went into public service doing policy work. Um, so it's kind of not the straightest line to, you know, to being the kind of street contemporary artist that I am mm. but um but I reckon without those kind of things I wouldn't be where I am now as well mm. like a lot of my work is advocacy really just using a paintbrush instead of you know in a courtroom yeah so with, with you know to get a law degree that's not easy so no. you went you went you did the whole law degree and yeah. then yeah I actually did your toe in and just said no nah, not for me yeah look, look okay so I don't want it to sound flippant because yeah. it was a lot of hard work and I'm not somebody that really I, I didn't go into it wanting to be a lawyer I, I really did it because a, um, a friend of mine um, thought that I wasn't necessarily academic um, I didn't finish school I dropped out of school because I didn't like it because I don't really like that institutional kind of stuff and no one could tell me why I should stay so being a little upstart I was I kind of like right, I'm off and did other things you know um, I was a writing instructor and yeah this, this friend at the time um, thought that I you know potentially wasn't an academic person so I got into uni having not finished 
high school and I was you know doing really you know, really well in my first year and she sort of turned to me and said oh yeah but it's you know that must be an easy course you know you couldn't get into something really challenging so I looked up what was the hardest course to get into at the time which was arts law at Melbourne and so did that um, so I graduated arts law with honours from Melbourne just to stick the finger up a little bit just to go oh, fuck you you know um, I, I could be academic just because I've chosen not to follow that path so and in the process of doing the law degree decided that I actually really liked it you know, and it's kind of interesting. It's a it's a cool thing to have. You know, we live bound by all these laws. Um, so I think it's a really powerful thing to understand them, to understand the laws that really bind you and just how bendable they are and which ones you can break and what to say when you break them. Um, so in the end, ended up enjoying it, but never I never wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. And I kind of got to the end of it, you know, seven years of hard work and, you know, I ended up in a, a, love, a really good job with a great office and great staff and everything was very comfortable. Um, but it wasn't what I wanted and I was always better at the policy sort of stuff so then I did policy but then in the end it was like still a boring office job mm. yeah it's interesting <laughs> that you, you said that like it was, it's almost like you got dead it's like but yeah. you can't it's like watch me it's like to get, yeah. a, to get yeah. a law degree <laughs> it's, it seems to be part of like a theme of my life like you can't do that watch me yeah. and I'm, I don't want to seem like I'm this reactionary person like I thought about it you know and I sort of figured, well, you know, modern law degrees at sorts of unis like Melbourne Uni are really kind of useful as well. Mm. It's not just about getting a job as a lawyer. It is about, like, you know, being a rounded citizen and understanding how the world works, how to communicate, how to negotiate, how to be an advocate, you know. So I think I was kind of heading in that. I thought I wanted to be a social worker, you mm. know. And, and then I kind of looked at what happened to social workers in court and looked at what happened to the lawyers. And I'm like, well, people listen to the lawyers. So there were a few things that were pointing me towards that. But at the end of the day, it was someone sort of, indicating that potentially I wasn't smart enough mm. and there's no greater motivation like no one's ever told me I can't do something um, mm. so when a friend sort of went you can't it's like oh okay mm. um. yeah it's funny I used to um <laughs> I used to smoke cigarettes for 10 years and um my wife said uh you know I, I said oh, I'm going to give up after this pack and she's like you've you said can't. that with so many packets of cigarettes see I I bet you you can't can't do it and I, I never smoked another cigarette again. That's some handy reverse psychology. I yeah, know. I know. Well, I know. Okay, it works though, doesn't it? When you've got yeah. someone that's someone that you, someone who you admire, someone whose opinion you value, mm. that sort of actually challenges you to go, you mm. can't. It's like, oh, watch me, I can. Mm. Watch me. Yeah, it's weird. I, I sort of got that with um, the art world as well. Like, you well, with friends who I grew up with painting with, they were like, okay. you know, I was always, I came into it a lot later than a lot of my friends. And um, even though I was quite young at the time, but that's because I came up through graffiti, they'd been painting for years and they were good and I was, I was just starting out. Mm. And um, so I was always like the, like the one that wasn't quite good enough, but they also, a lot of them have all stopped. And they're like, what, are you going to give it a go at the art career? It's like, come on, mate. And like they never, because they always thought that they were better than me, even though they haven't wow. done anything for the last 10 years. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you I watch me. You yeah. Know, yeah. It's a powerful motivator, isn't it? It's yeah. a really powerful motivator. Yeah. Good. Are you going to invite them to your show? <laughs> no, I haven't invited many people up, up to this exhibition. It's like vanilla's a bit of a trek, you know. It's like, oh, come up, you know. It's two hours. It's yeah. not even. Yeah. i got my parents coming. Good. Family. Good. You know. Like getting into your art, like how did you, were you always painting while you were doing your law degree? And no way. No, nah, no. no. So I, and I never really was a painter. I love drawing. Like mm -hmm. drawing's my, my jam. Um, but you know, everyone draws and paints as a kid. So I was just obsessively drawing on everything as a kid and my parents, like it was the seventies as well. So, you know, um, 
I don't, my parents didn't wallpaper the house, you know, for early. I mean, one of my earliest memories is getting bunches of crayons and going around the walls like, mm-hmm. around the walls. And we had like a study playroom where, you know, my dad had made desks, and but he hadn't surfaced them, so we just drew all over them. So I was always drawing, you know, and do you remember computer paper? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. remember that endless computer paper with the dots? Computer the paper with the dots yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'd never, I never asked my parents where they got it from, but we would just get these like masses of that. So I'd make these huge long factories that were like, like cutaway diagrams of factories with all these little factory workers with duck bills for mouths that were punching their cards in and doing their work and like working through the factory. And I'd spend hours doing that, you know. So like most kids, you know, always was drawing. And the only time I really stopped was when I went to uni because, you know, I hadn't – simple things like I hadn't learned to turn on a computer. I couldn't type because, you know, when I went to high school, typing was for secretaries and I knew I wasn't going to be anyone's secretary. So I did woodwork, really useful. Um, so things like I threw so much energy into, you know, learning how to type, learning how to use a computer, learning how to be academic. Like I didn't do exams cause I dropped out of school before that, you know, and then I hit law where, you know, it's, it's a competitive degree and the people at that uni are really high functioning students, you know, who knew how to play the game. And I just had to drop everything else, you know, in order to be competitive cause you know, it's, it's a competitive game. And if you're going to do this degree you might as well do it and get high marks um so i i stopped within about three months of starting uni i stopped drawing and didn't pick it up again until sort of way after that i was um i noticed a bit like as i was walking through you know i'd catch the train and have to walk up through the city to get to uni and that's when i was sort of that was like early 2000s so it was when like you know stencil revolution and a whole lot of good things were happening in melbourne and i was noticing all this stuff that was different to melbourne in the past and that was kind of cool but never really thought about doing any of it because like my head was always focused on you know assessments and marks and you know just getting caught up in all of that um and it was only really later that I came back to to drawing really as a kind of tonic to office work mm. yeah okay well it seems like as I um I don't know there's a big gap between then and now because you know you're really yeah. good at what you paint and you seem thank you very uh thank you know you. more than capable and it's like well it seems like something you because I haven't, I don't know you that well, but it no. seems like something you've been doing for a long time. Oh, you know? thanks. Um, so how did you start, like, um, taking it more seriously and then getting, you know, getting to where you are now? I, I started drawing again. I got really sick, and I think it was probably because I just didn't like my office job. But I ended mm. up really sick for like three or four weeks. Like I had this, I don't know, like I lost my voice, and you know, I was coughing. And I remember lying there just at home, going, "I'm so bored. I'm going to draw." So I just did this little like A4 size drawing on ink and it was different to what I used to draw. So um, when I was drawing years ago, like in the 80s, um, you know, as like in my teens and 20s and stuff, I did some photorealistic work. You know, it was just self-taught observational stuff, but, you know, tightly photorealistic. Um, and it was always for clients. You know, it was always – it wasn't really something I did for the joy of it. It was fun, but it was work. Mm. Um, so this was the first time that I just did this – totally stylized children's storybook style image and it was fun and I did it for a friend who was sick and I she didn't know I was making it for her but it was something for me to do because I was bored you know I'll do this and I liked it you know so I was doing a few of these drawings um and at the same time I'd met a different bunch of people and a couple of them were street artists so you know they'd go out at night and, and I kind of liked the sound of that um and someone must have said oh you know Katie Dwight does these paintings as well I does drawings oh yeah they're like, well, why don't you come out with us one night? You know, we'll see what you like first. Um, so I followed them around. I'm like, oh, this is, this 
it's fucking great. Um, and it was so different to any sort of artwork that I'd sort of done in the past. And I kind of linked it to what I'd seen happening, you know, around Melbourne going, you know, to and from uni those years ago, being inspired by, I guess, you know, I didn't come up through graffiti. I'm not a writer. I'm really crappy at any sort of lettering. I paint characters. And we'd started to see around Melbourne some good character painters going up, you know, like Ghost Patrol and Miso and Old Monster. And there's, there were a few artists that were doing really kind of whimsical children's storybook style graffiti. Um, and I guess that was in the back of my mind that I loved their work. And when I drew characters, they ha they made me feel the same way, I guess, as those artists. So it was really cool. We, you know, I ended up going out more with these guys, you know, after work. You know, you'd get home, take off your polyester suit, put on your hoodie and jeans, mix up some wheat paste, you know, and I'd still just be making these small drawings and making a whole heap of paste-ups and we'd go out and... And they were all sort of really small, quiet, personal narratives. There wasn't anything political because that was my day job you know when you're dealing with politics during the day this was like the antidote it was just personal stories um and I guess it grew from there you know when I got it got to the point where you know I was people liked my work and they were purchasing my work um but you can't like it, it got hard you know 40 hours in the office you know a week and then I was doing 40 hours after hours and it just ended up everything was affected. Like my work was shit at the office. I couldn't paint the way I draw the way I really wanted to draw and start painting. And I was just getting you know worn down and tired. So you know I sort of made that decision to, you know. And you've done the same thing. It's a hard thing to do to go. Actually, I'm going to follow this full time and just see where this goes. Mm. So I knew I had to leave my job at the time. Um, but that meant I had to sell my house because basically my entire salary was going onto my mortgage. So mm. I the day that I sold my house, I quit my job. And went, well, here goes. You know, when I look at it, I've been surviving off my artwork for quite a few years. And the office job was just, a, you know, paying for this house that I was never in. Um, and I, it, as soon as I dropped that job, look at all the time you've got to experiment and to see if I can work larger and to see if I can paint and to see if I can really get down on paper or canvas or walls what's up in my head. Because, um, mm. you know, when you've got like a day job, you're so tired when you get home. No. Oh, yeah. You don't physically have the yeah. hours, but you also don't have the brain power to put into really nutting out these sort of solutions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. When I was um like when I was working full time, I was I was hired I'd hired a studio as well. And I was trying to get into the studio and what I found is like I'd be rolling in there at, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. Yep. And trying to get some work done just knackered. Yeah. And then going in there on the weekends and it's like you just you don't have the energy that you need to extend yourself, right? No, you and you can you can never think of like I, I had this like idea that my art will pick up and will overtake my work, but if it, it if you don't open up the um the space in your life for that to happen, it's never. It gonna can't happen. do it exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. and that's sort of what I'd faced. I got to the point where I didn't want to. I wanted to see. I wanted to paint more. You know, I was loving it, and I loved my job. Like I had a really good job, and I'm really thankful for it, but. You could clearly see where my energy was. You know, when you're sitting there and your your mind wanders, you know, and ages ago someone had said to me, wherever your mind wanders, you know, when you're sitting somewhere, wherever your mind wanders, follow that because that's what you, you know, really into. And I was, I was kind of sitting there thinking, I remember I've still got pieces of paper that I'd ripped out of. I was obviously in meetings, like policy meetings, and I'm just like, unicorn wearing a blue T-shirt. I should have been writing down shit, mm. something to do with educational policy. No, just unicorns. Donkeys carrying humans. So you could, you know, you could see I wanted to draw. Mm. Um, and I think I've just come to the end of like 
there was this like tsunami when I when I you know quit my job. There was all these ideas that just came flying out, and I've been like running frantically, like got to learn this, got to be able to paint like this, got to try this technique, got to do this, got to do this. Um, it's just it had built up, you know, for those those years in the office where I really wanted to do it, mm. and I'm kind of thankful. I'm really thankful that I did do what I did when I did, because I think you know there's so much. This is such a good community here, and there's so much support, and there are so many people willing to champion. You know, you trying new things, or hey, what about this? Or have you painted this? Have you thought about, you know, going here, doing this festival? Like, there's there's so many opportunities once you've got time to take them up. It's like what you were saying. Yeah, um, yeah. So when when you um quit your job, do you find like were you already in a position where you could see that there was an art career for you, or were you just like I got to create space to create? I think I took a punt. Mm. I don't like the work I was doing a few years ago is really different to now. Um, I still like doing it. Like I still, I feel like I don't want to go down one particular path. There are a few paths I like, you know, I like drawing and painting in a few different ways. Um, but I knew that, I guess my safety net was selling the house. You know, I worked really hard to have a nice house in a nice suburb. And I knew if I sold that and kept the money from that, then if I had to, I could live off that mm. for years. Um, so I feel like I bought myself an apprenticeship in a way. Um, I bought myself the space where I didn't have to take on jobs I didn't want, where I didn't have to be the artist I was years ago, where you're just doing commissions for people that aren't what you want to do. So it kind of let me in those just, you know, just maybe even just a year of doing the characters I wanted to do and developing a style. And, you know, when you repeat something over and over and over, you do. It it develops in a way that's different than if you sort of dip into it now and then. Um, And I'm still not finished with that. I'm still trying to work out how do I get to do the work I really want to do um, and still support myself. And I'm sort of thankful that I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. But I think if I hadn't sold the house and had that money sitting there, which is all gone because I insist on doing projects that I find interesting that are in no way commercially viable. Um, But I think that's all part of it too. It's just I just I want to play and see what really captures my attention. Mm. Yeah. And, and doing what I did, getting rid of the job, getting rid of the house, living pretty frugally in a tiny space and having a small studio. Like you don't – I don't need much, but I need this – I need to have the sort of the hours, the spare hours to think about all these ideas and, and plan how they're going to work visually. Hmm. How, how much happier are you now that you, um, you've chucked in your job? Look for at me. Life? Yeah, you've yeah, always, always got a big smile I'm on happy. Face. Yeah, because yeah, it's – I mean – I was happy in the office. I did enjoy the challenge of what I was doing. But how good is our job? Like mm. how, good, how good is just painting, painting fun paintings, painting paintings with messages? You enjoy doing them. The people looking at them enjoy them. The people buying them enjoying them. We get to go to cool festivals, get to trail around and meet interesting people with interesting stories. Like m- my world's not beige. Mm. Yeah. It's, Actually, right now it's pretty beige. Yeah, yeah. We're in a very beige hotel. <laughs> but it's room. awesome, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. this is for, we're up here. If I if I'd kept my office job, there is no way I could have taken these opportunities, you know. And I would have been way too tired hmm. to take advantage of them. Like some of the projects I've done have required like serious months of planning, which you just can't do if you if your head's elsewhere. No, no. So way. yeah, I'm happy because this is the best. Yeah. I can't imagine doing like it's the hardest work we've ever done, but it kind of doesn't feel like work. Yeah, I get that. Feels like just like life. Mm. Like you just do it. If I wasn't like people talk about retiring, it's like, well, if I retired, I'd still be painting anyway. So what? How does how does that work in the context of someone who's doing what they do? Yeah, it's not even what I love. It's just what I do. What I am. 
Yeah, I was speaking to my brother-in-law about that the other day. Mm. And he said, so, uh, you know, how's the art life going and all that? So, oh, it's going really well. He goes, oh, so when do you think you can retire? And it's like... Why do you want to do that? It's like, well, I don't, I'm not planning on retiring. No. He goes, but that's what you work, you work so you can retire. And it's like... That's different. That's, work is that's, different. I said, that's the corporate way of thinking. Mind yeah. you, he's an accountant, you know. Yeah. So, so he, he's good once a year. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, and I said, oh, I don't plan on retiring because this is what I love to do. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he, he, he just gave me a funny look. And I guess there's a difference yeah. between someone who goes to a job or is employed yeah. and somebody for whom their, I guess their income is their, is their life, mm. you know. I, I've got things that I do that aren't painting, obviously, like I do other things. Um, but really most of it, pretty much everything I do revolves around art or friends I've made through art or travel I'll do through contacts through art, like, there isn't really a separation between art life and not art life. Mm. And even when I'm like really old and really cranky, still going to be creating things because that's what drives mm. me. I'm sure it's what drives you. Yeah, totally. Making things out of nothing, making something. Yeah. Like I went to that um, that David Hockney exhibition that was at the NGV a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really inspirational. You got this old guy who's had an an amazing career and could just like pull the pin on it any time and yeah. just go, oh, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm, but he, he obviously loves what he does. Yeah. And he's like Why would you come, coming up with new ideas, new concepts, new new ways of approaching his art. Why do you put a stopper on that? Yeah. Why would you stop that? Yeah. You don't put the brakes on that. While you've still got things to say, things to mm. observe, things to share, why would you not share it? Mm. Like I think it's a very selfless and a very selfish thing. You know, for, well, for me, like I'm doing exactly what I want. Like, and really self-indulgent sort of works that I'm glad that other people like, but at the end of the day, I love doing it for me. But then you are doing it to share, you know, for other people. Why, why would you stop that? Mm. You know, if it brings me pleasure and it brings other people pleasure. Like, if I'm like 80 and I've still got ideas and I've still got things I want to say and things I want to create, you don't stop because you're like, well, I should be retirement age. Like, what's that? Mm. Yeah, there's been a few things in my life like that where it's like I get to a certain age and I go, oh, I should stop doing this. Like, I remember when I got to 30, I said, oh, a 30-year-old shouldn't be riding a skateboard. And, and then I thought, yeah, I'm having too much fun on this. I'm, yeah, you know. exactly. There's no there's no expiry date on things that, that make you happy, right? Yeah. And I don't care. I mean, I'm ridiculously mature for my biological age. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. If I find it fun, it's still fun. And that's part of the joy of, I think that's one of the real indulgences of being an artist too. You can do that sort of stuff. You know, I do like driving around in my crappy old car and looking at cool things. I will roll around in the dirt to get a good photo, even though that's what like a five-year-old does chasing a toy. You know, it's um, it's fun and mm. there's no expectation about how you should behave when you're an artist. Mm. You know, I like to think, I'd like to think people think that I produce good work and that I'm professional about my work, but that doesn't mean I have to, you know, comport myself in any sort of way. Um, and things are, things are fun. I can't think of, I'm trying to think of something that I do that people my age should not be doing. It's probably half of what I do really, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head yeah. that I want to say. <laughs> yeah well um getting getting onto your style of artwork like i've um you know i know your earlier stuff is more is like photo realism and things like that and the, the style you're doing now is like more more stripped back yeah like um like was it hard to learn photo realism or were you were you like this is what your your level of art needs to be to sort of you know, quit your job and break into the uh, art world? No, so that's a really good question actually. But the photorealism came in the 80s. Okay. So as a teenager, that's what I did. Um, And I guess when you're self-taught, 
it's the easier thing to do really, isn't it? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've never it's, had a crack at it. Oh, okay. For, for me, it requires, yeah. I, I know I need to be careful with how I say it. For me, it requires, for me, mm. <laughs> qualifier, it requires less imagination and more observation. You see it, you render it. It's it's an old school called rendering. Like it's what people did. Um, so, you know, I if in the 80s, I would have been a renderer. It's not even really an artist. You just, you're a renderer. You see it, you render it on you know, canvas or paper. So I did that for a while. Um, so it's like I was Photoshop before Photoshop. People would come to me like, you know, they'd want a champion rider on their horse at a show and they're like, can you can you paint me like this but can you make me a bit thinner? Can you put the ribbon around the horse's neck a bit higher? Can you make the horse a bit shinier here? So it was literally like it's a technical skill for me. Um, and I think in order for me to be able to stylize things, you've got to understand what they are first. So until I could render something photorealistically, and really understand it, I don't think I could stylize it well. And I think it's a really common misconception with, um, I guess, with some people that it might be easier to stylize something. Like the work you do is highly stylized. Um, and especially your, your architectural work and your, your, you know, your suburban observations. That, I think, takes a lot of understanding of what something is to be able to strip it down to just a couple of colors and a few lines. For me, I couldn't do that unless I'd really seen it and drawn it and understood it in terms of light and shadow and all those intricacies. Um, so I think that's maybe just the way I learned and I'm not sure how I would have learned it if I'd gone to like painting school to really learn. But yeah, so it was photorealism way back in the 80s, which is why when I started, oh, my eyes flicking, <laughs> which is why when I started painting again, I didn't do that or drawing again. It was very ink on paper, black and white, nothing to do with realism. It was real fantasy stuff. Um, I think I was reacting, you know, against the office job and against the the drawings I did in the past. Um, and I'm not sure when it shifted back around to doing photorealism. The difference now is that I'm painting it, which I'm, I find incredibly challenging, you know. Um, I picked up watercolours as opposed to acrylics, not sure why. Um, I like them because they're unforgiving and they're immediate. It's kind of like aerosol. You know, you put a line down and that's it. Um, with aerosol, you can work over it. And I know with watercolour, you, know, you can't really work over your lines. Um, but in my mind, I always want to stylize things because I think I like looking at something that looks like it's painted. You know, um, having said that, the piece I'm painting at the moment is photorealist. So, mm. you know, it's I, I think it's horses for courses. I enjoy doing things that are painterly. I enjoy making things much more stylized. Um, but sometimes the story you want to tell needs realism. You know, so I've come off that a three-year project in the Philippines, um, which I really, I really wanted my audience to connect with the actual people that I was working with, the communities over there. And I could have done some stylized images, but I think what I really wanted that that was the first time I went, I go photorealist again, and I paint them, I paint their portraits, and I paint them as they are because I want people to really see them. Um, so for that, you know, realism I think was really necessary. Um, but for, for most of the stuff that I do, like, you know, up here at Benalla, um, most of the street pieces, a lot of the illustration I do, you know, it's it's stylized because I love that you can create something that you can't photograph. You create something that can only exist from an artist's hand. Yeah, hmm. totally. I like that as well. I always, yeah. like, you know, when I when I, um, I paint, it's like I strip back things and, like I might be looking at a photo off my phone to create a, a drawing or a painting for Yeah, like a reference. Yeah, but then I'll be like, no, nah, it needs more of this and less of yeah. that and just knock yeah. things out and create it 
make my own make life. something that, yeah, yeah that, that no one else can see that only your mm. brain can see yeah. until you've created it and put it on paper and that's what I love about being an artist you know it's why I love painting these things that are deliberately not real or even if I'm gonna go like my stylized things have an anatomical basis like you can look at the paintings I've done and go they don't look like a photo but you can see she understands light and shadow and composition and if it's an like it's an animal or a person musculature and you know I can I understand what things should look like but what I really enjoy is painting something that deliberately doesn't look like a like you know like a like a like a photo I guess so with you um with a lot of the the styles you're doing now it's like you sort of like knock it back to like two or three colors is that right or yeah four, maybe or five or something five? like that four yeah. or five there's normally like just tones of the same color and yeah the silo clashed I enjoyed mm. doing that but mm. most most of the time it's um because I start everything starts with the drawing so it, it's mm. always monotone to start with mm. um, and I think in terms of shades and I tend to turn yeah I think in terms of it's a really good question I always think in terms of like five colors like cream down to the dark color mm. and the three midtones um, and do you, you let some of the um, like the wall or whatever the surface you're painting sort of show through as well well, yeah, watercolour. <laughs> so yeah. with, with watercolour, I'm basically working from a white piece of paper um, and I work light to dark. So I use the paper as the white. So that's for the for the studio pieces I do, I do that. And depending on what I'm painting, like on walls outdoors as well, if it's a, if it's a, a tone I really like, like the silos have got that really coffee, sandy tone and I love that and wanted to keep that because that's like the colour of the earth you know, around where I painted. Um, so if the existing wall's got something that I like, um, like up Benalla here last year, you know, I, I found a beautiful building, this gorgeous crumbling paint. So you've got this crumbling old paint, bricks falling apart. So you had all these warm tones, bluey, cool tones. Um, and I ended up using a very just a cool grey and having the wall as, as the back colour. It was really only two colours, two colours and the wall. Um, and for me, it's like drawing. That's, that's similar to drawing. You know, you've got your pencil. You may have a HB, a 2B and a 6B or something, but maybe you just have one. And I kind of like what you can do with that and, and like what you can create with, with very little. I think last year I only used maybe three or four litres as well. Um, so it was the challenge of, oh, man, I don't have a lot of paint. Just going to water it right down and see how far it goes. Um, so that's depending on what it's for um, and depending on what surface. It's kind of cool to be able to strip it right down to, to see exactly how little you need to get a message across. Mm. Yeah, well, you've definitely like, um, you know, created your own style. With that, like I know, like when I see your work, I, I just know it's by you straight oh, away. It's thanks. not like, oh, who did that? You know, it's um. That's cool because I feel yeah. like I work across like. Sometimes I feel, <sighs> the pressure only comes from me, but it's like, should I be focusing on one particular style? You know, should I be doing? Should I stay with you know the 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 limited color palette and the way I put paint on the wall? Should I keep exploring the, the things that I'm doing? And I often wonder. It's like, do people know that I do? sit across quite a few of these things you know and now filmmaking as well which people aren't gonna know so much because I've only shown it once in Australia um but I think that makes me really happy that you could see what I do is it the painting technique or the characters no just the technique the technique that's yeah cool. and okay. your, your use of space as well oh cool like the way yeah. um the, the way you fill the the space more Thank or less you. like I know it's like you um you look at it and go, oh, it needs more weight here and less weight there. Yeah, it's like you don't like yeah. just fill the whole wall up. You just no. go, yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I'm, oh, I'm so glad you've noticed mm. that. It's one of the things I love about knowing where I'm going to paint first and painting for a space. Like mm. I think composition is really important. Yeah. 
Um, and sometimes I get it right and sometimes I don't get it as right as I wanted to. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm ever someone who's filled a whole space. Um, it's all part of the painting. Like that negative space is deliberately there. Um, but I, yeah, I, and I tend to not like to paint next to a whole lot of other paintings as well. Like it's nice to have space for them to breathe. I think because a lot of my work's quite quiet and not very colourful, um, I like it to sort of hold court where it is. Yeah, because like you, um, you just work with the space you've got and like mm. I guess, I don't know, the emphasis is on the whole, you know, you're not, you, you know, your artwork doesn't yell and scream, look at me. It's like yeah. it sort of takes, it's, it, it sits in and blends in with its surroundings Thanks. and it's like you stop and you go, wow, look at that. You know? Yeah, that's what I want. That's, that's yeah. exactly what you've nailed. It. It's like it's sort of, it's quiet. You know, and most of the stuff that I do publicly is quite quiet, um, which is funny since I'm such a loud person normally. <laughs> but I kind of like I like that. I like creating this quiet, melancholic, static um, images. You know, if it's for a collaboration painting or a community collab, go bright colour, go movement and energy, you know. And I've done a couple that people have responded really well to. Like they tend to be horses like, you know, bursting out, galloping or just a lot of power and energy. Um, and people always do respond well to movement, but I kind of like the more still and quiet I can make the image, the better. I've never really thought about why, but mm. thanks for noticing. No, no worries. <laughs> so you are, you mentioned earlier that you, um, you're also making films. Yeah. Is this a, like, I, cause I, you've told me that you're making films, but I haven't seen any of them or anything like that. Nah. Is, is this just like another creative outlet for you? So, no, well, this was this, some, you know, some stories need a different medium to be told. It's the same as whether you choose stylized or photorealistic. Some some stories and some, um, I guess some yeah some stories need film as well. And I you know a few years ago was privileged enough to be over in the Philippines you know and painting and met some communities and went, wow these are really marginalised and really discriminated against and really hated and feared, and actually but they're pretty cool. Like I reckon if people had the opportunity to meet them and really see them for who they are. I think that good things could come from that. So it came from this years ago. And um, I'd met um, some graffiti artists over there who were also filmmakers. And I didn't know that at the time. We were just sort of painting walls. And, yeah. um, I'd come back to Australia and did a bit of research on these communities and went, wow, they're really hated. Um, so I got online and said, hey, guys, like, do you want to make a film with me? Like having no idea how to do it. Like, let's, do you want to just make this film? Like, I'll come back over and I'll do this cool art project with this community. Like, I want to collaborate with them and we're going to make some works and will you film it? And it kind of was for two reasons. One was just for a record of what we did um, and a record in case something happened to us of what happened. But also it was a record that these people exist. So they're a community that aren't really even on the map um, and they're not even really considered human. A lot of them don't have birth certificates, so they don't exist, which means anything can happen to them and no one can be held accountable. Can you get a lawyer coming through? <laughs> um, so I sort of thought, well, they may not have a birth certificate, but if I've got them on film saying who they are and where they're from and they disappear, I've got a document that I can take to someone and go, where are these people? Um, so that was the one of the main reasons for filming this project. And the project kind of went over, you know, three years and over a few exhibitions, two, two separate films, a short film and then a 45-minute film. Um, and it ended up, it was... It was absolutely wonderful. Like I couldn't have found more incredible men to be like 
not just filmmakers, but my friends, my bodyguards, my translators, my negotiators, they were incredible. Um, one of them had never even been in this community, so he was that was really brave of him. Two of the others knew about it and one had actually done some work in similar communities. So we, we saw the communities in the same light. I didn't need to direct them at all. We all understood exactly what we were doing. And we've got this incredible film that we showed it once last year um, at the Human Rights Arts and Film Festival and it won the Audience Award. Yes. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. So now it's we're looking at doing like the international film circuit. We've just got to be careful given the nature of the community um, and politics in the Philippines at the moment. I don't want any of my film crew or any of the community to be put in danger um, from government forces. Um, you know, there's a war on drugs over there at the moment and a lot of the people we worked with um, would be directly in the firing line. They're poor, they're homeless, you know, they're really vulnerable and I don't want this film to agitate a situation that's already really volatile um so it will be shown again you know here um, but from that i guess i kind of really i've really been captured by the idea of filmmaking you know as storytelling and not sort of conventional narrative filmmaking but getting the community involved like the community were our crew um they worked the gear they chose who to interview they did the interviews they did the sound themselves so working with people that don't identify as filmmakers and artists and having them tell their stories i love that idea mm. you know it's it's lawyering it's just a more cool version i reckon mm. yeah no it's 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 really cool like i did when you said that you were making films i had no idea that, that you, it was so uh film philanthropic so yeah. that's a word isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. No, but, but it was it was so and street art i could see i couldn't have done this without being a street artist. So I, having decided I'm going to make a film or it was just going to happen, I have no more money. Like I've spent all of the money that I'd made from selling the house. I'd spent doing like previous trips and previous exhibitions and, you know, doing stuff that's, you know, kind of supports communities and doing other art projects. So it's like I don't have enough money to do this project but I have to do it. Um, so, so engaged the help of so many incredible supportive people but really there was a, a core group of people who I didn't tell many people what I was going to do because I'm not a filmmaker how do you start making films when you haven't made films you know, screen australia is not going to give me any money who the fuck am I I got no track record um so yeah you know, went to dear friends Sandra and Andrew um Sandra Powell and Andrew King and you know Alex McCulloch and Dean Sunshine they were a core group of of people who were who believed in what I was doing you know um, and understood that I was going to do it, but I needed help. And it's probably the first time I'd actually reached out as an artist to anybody to go, to, to the community to go, look, I need your help. Um, so with the help of that sort of that amazing core group of people, um, put it out to the street art community and said, this is what I'm doing. Have you got anything you could donate? Because we're going to do a fundraiser and raise money to make this project which was more than just the film it was actually it was a housing project uh, that we were filming so we were making these tarps with my photorealistic portraits on them and they were being installed as housing in the community because that's what the community needs like housing that they could move when they needed to and housing that was waterproof so we so with two different crowdfunding campaigns um, one of them was around sponsoring tarps the other one was around all these incredible street artists who donated work so we held a fundraiser thank you very much to my amazing core crew raised the funds like within 24 hours wow that we yeah it was incredible but you know i've got some really super talented friends um and their work's really highly sought after so people so they donated the work people bought the work which enabled me to crowdfund this project um so it's like really i think we'd set aside a budget of 
like five grand for the film. How ridiculous. Um, but just I'm just so thankful that we could have made it for that. Um, and the majority of the, the funds went to, you know, the expenses of getting the tarps done, supporting the community, paying the community to, you know, to install them. Um, it was this just incredible international project um, that, you know, I couldn't have done it without law school either because Emily, who is my, I don't like, she's not even, she's my friend. She's a, not even a business partner because she's not a business, but she's the other part of this, this big project. I met her at law school. You know, she was one of the few cool people at law school. So through that, you know, we've kept in touch over the years and we did a few collaborative projects. She's not an artist, but she loves creative things and she's like queen project manager. So I'm just flaky as shit when I paint. I'm like, we need to do this and we're going to make films and we're going to be doing this and this. And Emily, you know, really made it happen. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that was like a crazy period in my life. Mm. You know, that finished last year. So I'm sort of still coming down off that um, and working out now that we've done this project, how do we share it with the world? Like, what do we what do we do with it? I've got all the original artwork. We've got the documentary. We've got you know these contacts and networks now that want to support these communities and the international eyes on these communities. So what now? Mm. So it's one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Lot to think about. Yeah. Yeah, but it's good that you've done the. Uh, sounds like you've done the hard part. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. it feels like it. It feels like now we've done it and we've got this thing, and we're very clear with what we want to do with it. It's just it just takes time hmm. and money, of course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always, always. Yeah. So, um, like through looking at your Instagram and stuff like that, it seems like you like to travel. <laughs> but like, I, yeah. a lot of your travel is Australian based. You, yeah. you seem to go on a lot of road trips and Hell yes. cruise around. And yes, does that does that play into your artwork a lot? I wish it did. Like, it kind of doesn't because a lot of what I paint is not real. And I'm, but I, but it doesn't mean that I'm not. I know I'm cataloging all this in my brain for something. I just don't know what. Like, um, I mean, if you look through the Instagram for the last year, I mean, six months of that was spent out in the Mallee on the Silo Art Project, um, and that was a lot of travelling backwards and forwards, but also a lot of travel in the areas on days where, especially for my Silo, it was too windy to use the boom lift. So what do you do? You know, I could sit in the house and do nothing, or get in the car. Um, and it's it's just so easy to do when you're out there. You know, there's I, I'm not often out in that part of Australia. I've got a whole lot of time and I want to be able to, even like now, I can talk about the Silo Art Project or I can talk about the silos and the region and everything else that's there. And I think that's really important, you know, when you take on these sorts of projects that um, it's not really my style to drop in and drop out. Mm. I like to meet the locals, like to see what's going on, like to get a real feel for the place, you know, like to make friends. Um, so I do travel a lot and over summer I've been traveling a lot too you know we've got a another project that I can't you know I won't talk about yet because it may or may not happen but it's involved driving around a lot in my beat up old car yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah because I I noticed um, yesterday when we went for a drive around you know you're really passionate about like pull over look at this take take a photo like instead of like just going oh that's nice missed it um yeah, you're, you're you're big on your U-turns. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're not car sick. Did you get car sick? Were you all right? No, nah, you were I'm all right. good. Okay, I'm all right. I haven't known that about some friends, and I've been yeah. like, and they'll yeah. be really queasy after a few stops. Yeah, um, and people should know that about me if they get in the car. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you, the the one qualification I have in visual arts is in photography. Years ago, um, and even though I was doing that on my iPhone, I've got my decent phone and my decent camera in the car. Um, but I. I, don't, I think I do view everything through the lens of a photographer. Mm. Like even my like my drawings and my paintings, everything's about an, an, a composed image. Um, and I, I'm not sure if what I photograph 
when I'm out driving is ever going to make it into my paintings, but it'll make it into something yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just Instagram story. Well, and maybe it's just something that gives me. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't really do stories. I can't. I can't. I'm such a luddite. Like I've, I've only just really grasped putting up photos on Instagram. It's like, I, what, I, why do I want to put a film? I don't think in terms of moving image hmm. for Instagram. That's my. That's my sticking point. I say, I'm, I'm getting into it though. I'm watching everybody else's stories now. Going, this is actually cool. Hmm. This is cool. Hmm. And it's good for putting up stuff that you definitely don't want on there permanently. Yeah. Which I've learned that as well, but um, no, I, I, th- I just love driving around. I think it gives me energy to paint. Yeah, you know, and if you look at the the paintings that I do, regardless of whether they're photorealistic or stylized, they always have a light source, like light and shadow. And I think that's the way I that's the way I see everything. Like I'm looking out the window, and all I see, you know, you don't see a tree. What you see is light hitting those leaves, casting shadows on other leaves casting shadows on the ground. So everything's light and shadow. And I think when I drive and see things like that, it does feed into what I paint because it's all light and shadow. Mm. I see yeah. McDonald's. You, <laughs> and the You're a massive bogan. I the, love where they put yeah, you here. Yeah, we're in the restaurant district. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are because isn't that an Aldi as well? There you go. Yeah, That's yeah. gold. And the BWS. But, <laughs> but see, I, I don't see colour. I see tone, you yeah. know, and I think that, you know, when I drive, all that stuff gets logged, you know, how light hits shapes. Mm. and cast shadows it helps when you're painting something that's not real if you've looked at all the different ways light can hit something you can imagine it in your head and make it look really real without actually having the reference photo because mm. where do you get a reference photo for a unicorn man <laughs> you don't just put a carrot or an ice cream on a horse's head <laughs> except <laughs> yes, that do. i just did <laughs> yes you do <laughs> they look different unicorns are special oh, okay <laughs> but you know you said that you've got um projects that you can't talk about at the moment but have you, have you got any other upcoming projects I've got some more street work, street artwork this year. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of, it's been neat after doing the filmmaking and the that you know those projects that just they take up all of your consciousness. Um, and I love doing them, but that's not all I want to do. Um, so I'm really glad just to be getting back to doing paint a wall, mm. turn up, paint this wall, you know. And it's kind of it's such a pleasure to not have to be looking over your shoulder, to not have to be who's armed and who's not, you know, to not have to be, to not have that in the back of your mind. Like it's such a beautiful thing to just. It's so lovely here. You know, it's so chilled. We're so safe. Paint the wall. You know, so I, I kind of am enjoying doing that. I've done a lot of sketches the last, you know, say maybe 12, 18 months that I've sketched to make into walls or something, but I haven't put them on paper. And I, I want to do that as well. I want to make the time to do that this year. Um, so I've got a few a few wall projects coming up. Um, you know, the the film festivals for, for our film. Um, and... Yeah, like another project that may or may not see the light of day. It's kind of a personal joke that's really escalated. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll wait and see whether that happens before I drop that on the world yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it's probably not a lot of travel this year. Um, I wanna, I've got a studio and I want to sit and make things in my studio um, and really not over winter, actually. I don't want to do that because it's not heated. Um, but I want to sit and make studio works. You know what it's like. Every time you're in the studio, you're like, right, I paint a wall. Mm. And you're outside in the wall and all you want to do is get back into the studio. Um, I'm happy as long as I'm painting something. Yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so where's the best place for people to check out your art online? Online, uh, Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, yep. what, what are your handles? Instagram. So Caffeine Paints, one word, is Instagram. With, Face- a, with a K. With a K, yep. Um, Facebook is Katie Caffeine. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and for the for the community collaboration, like the, the film work that I do, um, Emily and I have got a, a sort of a crew called Cheese Eagle. Um, and we've got a website, cheeseeagle.com, which is where we put all of that sort of stuff. Because even though it's my artwork and my projects, it's different to the more immediate stuff that I do here. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot for your time. It's Thank been you. uh, been good to sit down and find out a bit more about you. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.